Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, welcome back for another episode. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Hey, in today's topic, I have a conversation with Sean Bussey. He's a returning guest on the podcast. And he's out with a new book. It's called Marketing from the Inside Out, Transformational Growth for Purpose-Driven Leaders. And yeah, you may be wondering, okay, it's a marketing book. Why is he coming on the podcast? And what's this all about? Well, yes, it's about marketing. But uh, more importantly, it's about purpose. And really, the majority of the book talks about creating really valuable mission and vision statements and a value set that all your employees can rally around that will not only attract new customers, but will attract and retain people within your organization. So I thought this is a really foundational piece for for any small business. This book really is for senior leaders, owners, executives of organizations, but also for HR people who deal with the employer branding aspect of the business, uh, recruiting, uh, messaging, any of that sort of uh, work that you're doing. So I think you're really going to love this conversation. I actually had it in person with Sean. They're in Portland. Uh, his firm is Kinesis. They are a small marketing uh, branding firm out of Portland. And uh, I think you're really going to love this episode. So before I, I turn it over to the the actual discussion with Sean, I want to mention I'm going to do a book giveaway for this. So if you love the discussion and you want this book, if you're one of the first three people that writes a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you may listen to us, screenshot the review, email me at brandon.laws at zenimhr.com and you can find that, that email address in the show notes as well. Email me the screenshot of it or LinkedIn, whatever you want to, however you want to message me. And if you're one of the first three people, I will send you a copy of the book. So without further ado... Here is the episode with Sean Bussey on purpose. My friend Sean, what's up? How you doing? Hey, good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to have you on the podcast. So we're we're talking about your book today. Uh, you wrote a book, uh, Marketing from the Inside Out, Transformational Growth for Purpose Driven Leaders. Why'd you write this book? Who who's it for? Yeah, thanks. You know, this book is a great book for entrepreneurs, uh, small business leaders who are really looking to get their hands around how to do an authentic form of marketing, something that feels right to them and capitalizes on what makes them unique and remarkable. What I felt was interesting about this book is that it not only is it capturing like the marketing side, and obviously that's in the title, but the purpose-driven point really comes through in this book, and that's your you know, your subtitle of the book is transformational growth for purpose driven leaders. So much of the, this book, especially in the initial, you know, pages of the chapters is all about setting that purpose for the, for the organization. And we're going to talk through some of that stuff, but why, why was that such an important piece for you? Yeah. You know, I've been 
I've been at this for about 20 years. And when I started my career, we had two types of clients. Yeah. We had nonprofit clients and we had for-profit businesses. And what we were trying to do was to get the nonprofits to be more savvy about marketing and business acumen. Mm -hmm. That's a tough challenge. Uh, and then <laughs> more unexpected at the time, we were trying to get businesses to really have the heart of a nonprofit, right? Because what we saw with the nonprofit space was employees would work their hearts out for these organizations for very little money, long hours, you know, long careers. So we thought, gosh, why is it they'll give so much over here for so little compensation? And yet when you move into the business space, you have to use things like motivational gimmicks and bonuses and <laughs> incentives, right? It's, it sort of becomes the science experiment where you're trying to get the rat to go through the maze. Well, it's by like giving them food. Daniel Pink's book drive. It's like, yeah. what is it? What is, what's driving employees to produce? Right. Yeah, right. That's what your point is. Right. So, so for me, we would, we would find these rare companies, these rare businesses that really had a clear sense of purpose and mission, much like many really good nonprofits would have. And they just radically outperformed those mm. that didn't have a purpose that didn't have a sense of of meaning and something greater than themselves. Is it, so is that what this book is really recommending to, to small business leaders is that if you want to be really effective in the marketplace, have lots of clients, high margin clients, and you know, have a great business where you, you can hire lots of employees and provide opportunities, you have to do marketing from the inside out. What does that mean exactly? Yeah. So, so in the book, we walk folks through the, the s sequence mm -hmm. and essentially it's at every business's center should be a sense of purpose, mission, a vision, a, val yep. a set of values. And if you're authentic about that, if you're real about that, then you can attract the next layer, which is uh, a culture of A players, top performing employees. And if you have those top performing employees, they're going to deliver a remarkable experience. If you have a remarkable experience, your customers actually in many ways become your primary marketing engine for the yeah. business. Yeah. yeah. I want to start by talking about a bad example, um, <laughs> one where maybe the inside wasn't so good mm. and then it reflected poorly on customers. So Wells Fargo was uh, an example in your book where, and I think a lot of people know this example, where um, basically employees who were incentivized you know, high, maybe high commission or just high pressure sales, they were starting to open up accounts under, mm -hmm. you know, f customers who didn't authorize it. And I don't really know all the details about that, but I just know that things got so bad culturally that it, then the reputation in the marketplace became really tainted. Talk about that. I, I think the Wells Fargo case is such a great example of, of an organization, I think maybe meaning well in terms mm -hmm. of trying to create shareholder value yeah. and then creating a set of incentives that they thought would create a certain behavior. And the thing about human beings is you have to be really careful with your incentives because the unintended consequences of incentives are often very powerful and unintended. <laughs> it's a great example of how when you think about your workforce like a machine, if I turn this lever, it will produce this result, you often get crazy outcomes that are often counterproductive to what you're trying to do. Um, and there's example after example of that. Enron's a great example, you know, where you read their corporate values and they talk about excellence and customer service and integrity, and they weren't living any of those values. So, yeah. um, 
you know, the, the corporate space is just filled with these examples. Yeah. And what's funny about, and not really funny is really just sad is they get, they're so big to where, I mean, it's possible the CEO didn't even really know about all this stuff happening. Sure. It's certainly possible because they're so huge. There's thousands and thousands of employees. And I think what, what your book illustrates really well is that like for small businesses, which is what it's really focused towards is that they have the opportunity to start from scratch. They yep. can set that mission, vision, values, and really integrate that into all their people practices. So that way, you know, the Wells Fargo example never would happen downstream. It right. just, it's to the core beliefs of those employees. It just, it wouldn't be the right thing to do and they would never do it. Right, right. It's part of the reason why, you know, as I've grown in my career, I've just realized that the Wells Fargo's of the world, they're just not the right customer for me. You know, mm-hmm. that large corporate uh, organizations, which I've served in the past, you know, it's it's really difficult to move the needle. There's yeah. so much entrenched behavior sure. and culture. But in the small business space, you can actually really set the course and yeah. be effective at that. So let's start at the very beginning. Mission is what you really talk about. Mm-hmm. I feel like people get mission wrong a lot or they don't yeah. even know what it is. Yeah. Most employees probably can't recite their mission or their, the organization <laughs> they work for. I mean, this yeah. is definitely true with big businesses, small businesses even more so, I think, because they probably don't, they just grow by happenstance and they're just constantly, you yeah. know, fighting fires or whatever. And yeah. they don't sort of really sit back and, and think about what their, what their mission is or maybe even craft it. Yeah. Where do people start? It's really hard, you know, so <laughs> okay. the, the expression I use, which I, I, I borrowed from a friend of mine, is that it's really hard to read the label from inside the bottle. And, yeah, that's true. And as a business, over time, you develop these behaviors and habits that are informed by what you stand for. Mm-hmm. But you often it's really hard for you to look at yourself and go, ah, this is what we stand for. I'll use an example, right? Kinesis's mission is transformation. That's one word. Interesting. What we stand for. Yeah. I really couldn't put my finger on that until probably our 10th year in business. Um, it's, it's, I think it's that hard to self-diagnose. Yeah. So for us, as a consultant and from the outside, that's part of what we do. But I would argue that every business has a mission. It's about uncovering that mission and that that mission should transcend business offerings. Mm-hmm. So we've changed our business model probably three times in the 18 years we've been in existence but it's always actually been the same mission. It's always been transformation in this idea. You just didn't change. really articulate it at that point. Correct. Because you sort of needed to to go through the process of yes. working with clients and understanding who you are to the core, and then you you put it to words right. at that point. Right, I think that's why startups have such a hard time, because they've not lived enough experiences to understand who they are and what they stand for. Whereas you know a, a small business that's maybe been around five years, 10 years, mm-hmm. even 20 years, if you interview their customers, if you interview their employees, uh, if you look at how they talk about themselves, you can actually uncover the mission pretty easily if you're not in the organization. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but but it can be done. Yeah. I, I have seen folks DIY it, um, and it can be done. So why one word on the mission? Great question. <laughs> so a good litmus test for whether or not your organization is following a shared mission is just go to your employees, especially the ones who are maybe lowest in the organizational hierarchy, and ask them, hey, what's our mission? And if you get different answers Mm -hmm. across all of those employees, then you as a leader probably haven't done a great job of articulating what you stand for. I believe people have a hard time remembering full sentences. 
they can't they, they can't remember paragraphs no way they can remember one word and so what a one word mission forces you to do is to get really really clear clear on setting all that other garbage aside yeah. Yeah. what do we stand for what is the one thing that we are all about i love that how long should uh, an executive team spend on creating that mission? Because you're answering the book, and, and maybe it's changed yeah. since you wrote the book. I, I was shocked by the answer because I would think like, oh, you need a week off-site or uh, whatever. Like, what, what's your yeah. answer on that? I mean, <laughs> it's it's hard for me to to say what it takes by when you try to do it yourself. Yeah. Um, I can say that we are able to help clients get their you know, usually in an afternoon, it's crazy. Uh, but there's a lot of back work that we've done. Sure. So that, that is something that's changed probably from the time we wrote the book to today is that we dive a lot deeper into those employee and customer interviews Th yeah. that helps you get outside of what you think as an owner or as a leader, Oh, we want to stand for service or excellence or these real cliche yeah. terms. Integrity. Yeah, integrity. That's the one uh, I always hear. <laughs> uh, drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> but if you talk to your customers, you'll see trends and you'll yeah. see co common common ideas. Uh, and if you talk to your employees, you'll see other trends. Yeah. yeah. You said in the book, mission drives loyalty across or the organizations. How so? Yeah. You know, I think if you stand for something, so let's say... Apple under the Steve Jobs era when they were tremendously successful, right? They stood for this idea of disrupting the status quo. They stood yeah. for this idea of building things that had never been seen before. That's a really powerful thing to be a part of. And it's really hard to look at other companies who say, well, come to us and we'll make widgets. You know, who, yeah. car who cares? No, nobody right? cares. Yeah. So I think when you stand for something and that thing that you stand for is, is big and emotional and purposeful, yeah. you're going to get people who want to sign up for that as opposed to people who are just looking for a job. Yeah. You know what I'm, I'm I get so confused about sometimes, uh, and I'm a marketing guy and I'm so ingrained in the culture work that we, we do at Zenium, but the difference between mission and vision has always mm -hmm. been unclear to me sometimes because I think people use it interchangeably. Yeah. And I don't think that's really the purpose of it. I've, to me, it feels like vision should be like, here's where we see ourselves. Like maybe this is what we're, we're in business to do or mm -hmm. maybe to do good or transform as mm -hmm. you said, but vision is really that prediction about what it looks like if we actually yeah. see our mission through. Is, is that, yeah. is the way I'm thinking about it? Is that right? I think that's a good way to look at it. What I what I counsel people on is that a, a vision can actually change, yeah. right? So when we crafted our vision in 2010 for where we wanted to take the company, right? It was yeah. the end of the yeah. well, actually it was in the apex of the recession that for us. Tough time. Our vision was to really reinvent how marketing was done for small businesses. That was a cool vision. We we, I'd say, realized it very effectively over the subsequent five years. We grew super fast as a result of having a clear vision. But we were still living our mission of transformation, mm -hmm. right? We were changing the marketing landscape. More recently, we've reset that vision, like in a dramatic way. And that's not really in that book. And yeah. it's really about not only do we want to reset the marketing landscape, we want to reset the business landscape. And we want to do it for business owners who think with purpose. Mm -hmm. They may not be acting with purpose. They may not know how to do that, but they give a shit. 
yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. To, to put it in just very succinct terms, like they care about their community, they care about their employees, I love that. they care about what they put out into the community. And, and so that new vision is, is getting even tighter. It's not just all businesses, mm-hmm. right? It's our vision is to only work with these businesses that are making a difference in our world and are making the world a better place. And that gets harder, right? So that's the other piece of a vision is a vision is often something that's like, wow, how are you going to do that? That's difficult. Whereas a mission, we're still living our life of transformation. We're still, right, we're still adhering to what we stand for as an organization. And that's not going to change. So it's almost like the vision is a point, it's at a point in time. And Mm -hmm. then once you... Once you go into the future and you almost achieve that vision, then you got to reset it. You got to yeah. redo yeah. it. You got to have a new vision. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that organizations often miss out on is that they'll craft a vision and it's that, and it's a great vision. And then they don't realize they've either achieved it or maybe the organization has really changed yeah. and it's time to go in a new, new direction. What's a good way to deploy that vision across the company because i imagine you you know sit in a room with a bunch of executives you create the vision we're gonna uh you know we're gonna be a 10 million dollar company in 2020 and you know say all these like weird obscure words right but that doesn't mean a lot to employees they probably want to know how you gonna get there what are we gonna look like what kind of software we're gonna have in place i mean there's probably a lot of things you need to do that kind of fall or nest under that that vision to really Mm -hmm. articulate what we're gonna look like and feel like What do you recommend there? The first thing I recommend is don't ever start with a financial number. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. I like that. I I really don't think the vast majority of employees are motivated by organizational financials. Yeah. It's it's abstract. Probably want to know a little bit, but sure that but that needs to be a supporting case. For something that's bigger and and bigger and badder than that. Yeah. You know. So so take. I'll just use us as an example, right? The the bigger vision is to change the world through purpose-driven businesses. That's what we want to achieve. Okay, I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to get there, but that's the state, you know. Now, can I do that if I'm a 12-person company? Might be a little hard. So then supporting that vision may be, hey, we need to be at least a 50-person company or we need to be at least 25 people this much revenue is going to support the health of that size of company. It's going to support our ability to do remarkable things mm-hmm. like study purpose-driven businesses and you know invest in things. So then everything becomes a trickle-down and not a, well, here's our financial performance and then all this other stuff's like window dressing. And unfortunately, that's the problem with publicly traded companies is they have to start with the financial they do, performance. shareholders. Exactly. Small businesses don't have to do that. No. So I would say start with something that's exciting and attractive to you as an owner, because you got to be excited about it. But then it's also got to be exciting and attractive to the internal customer mm-hmm. who are called employees. You had a, an illustration in the book that I thought was beautiful. I think I've heard it before, but I wanted to restate it on this podcast because for those that may have never heard it. But this is where I think mission and vision works so well that, um, you know, I'll just give the example. So in, at NASA, I think there must've been some cameras around or a journalist was interviewing, uh, interviewed a janitor and ended up talking about, well, what's your job here at NASA? And he, and he says, my role is to put a man on the moon. Yeah. That is powerful. Yeah. 
So right. what what are they doing right <laughs> at NASA over there? I mean, yeah. this, this is years ago, obviously, yeah. but yeah, but even you know, even to modern times, NASA's historically been listed as one of the best places to work, and you know, why is that? You know, is it because they pay great wages? They probably don't. You probably yeah. could make more money going to work for SpaceX or something like mm-hmm. that. But at the end of the day boy, you can't really top a mission that involves, you know, putting humans up into space, exploring new worlds, finding water on Mars. I mean, these are like powerful, big things that transcend, I would say, small thinking, mm-hmm. um, which is the which is the pitfall of a lot of vision. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about customer service because I think the way your employees treat customers in the end probably has a lot to do with how you're setting purpose and mission and vision and all that. So you give a bad example of uh, United Airlines, yeah. and I don't want to spoil it, but there there might be a broken guitar involved in this, and, and a passenger <laughs> punched in the face. There's they've had a lot of bad press over the years. Yeah. Why is that? What like do you if you oh, were to man. guess like is this yeah. is a stem from customer service training? Or is it just deeper than that? I I think it's. I think it's deeper than that. You know, I think you can go really deep on it and say, you know, we, and we talk about this a little bit in the book, things like shareholder primacy and this idea of the force of the market and they're a publicly traded company. But even within that realm, there are publicly traded companies like Costco who their employees are very engaged Mm -hmm. and they treat their customers really well. You know, there are, so it's not necessarily the fact that you are a publicly traded company that dooms you to terrible customer service. It makes it harder. Yeah. But I I think that it all, you know, there's this old expression, the, the fish rots from the head down, you know? So the culture and the tone and the tenor that the executive team puts out there matters. It makes a difference. And so you see organizations uh, where the leadership say, employees matter and our values matter and living to those values is something we're going to do. Even Mm -hmm. if it causes us pain, Mm -hmm. that sets a different standard and that creates a different customer experience. Before we started recording, you were talking about a smaller company in in Portland that does this really well. does it the opposite way of what United Airlines probably does. I mean, granted they're smaller, Mm -hmm. but talk about that. That was a, that was a really neat example. Yeah. Yeah, The company we were talking about is uh, uh, my friend Bill's company, three mountains plumbing and they, you know, they do service plumbing in the residential space, yeah. right? And that's not sexy at all. Not sexy, <laughs> dirty work. Yep. I mean, we're talking literally cleaning shit up. Yep. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> and and yet they their employees are friendly, they're engaging, they're strong communicators. They put on booties before they go into the house. They they really are a, a sales force mm-hmm. in many ways. They're not just, you know, gruff plumbers who do a job. And What's powerful about that story is that Bill's taken an industry that's historically filled with gruff people and he's turned them into customer service geniuses. And as a result, I mean, I was just looking at his website the other day. He's got trucks all over the place, you know, and I knew him when he had just one truck. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's the power of service. Yeah. Yeah. You, you talk about, uh, some of Seth Godin's work, you talk about the the mm-hmm. book, The Purple Cow, and he's added a million other books. Um, and he always talks about remarkable, you know, mm-hmm. be remarkable. And you add something, I think this is your words here, and you had a, a little heading in there, and I wrote it down because I thought it was such a powerful statement. You said, nobody raves about average. <laughs> and I I love that because yeah. if you're not setting, you know, um, 
a strong vision and you have a powerful mission and you don't have the great people to back it up, you're going to be average or below average and nobody gives a shit about Mm -hmm. average. You're just not going to probably do well in business is my guess. Why do you think, you know, why, why is that such a powerful thing right there? Yeah. The problem with average is that it quickly leads down the path to price. Mm-hmm. And so you get, let's just take the retail space, for example, right? You can go into Macy's and you can have a very average experience. Sorry, Macy's. Sorry, Macy's. Yeah. yeah. No, it's okay. Um, I think everybody <laughs> shops on Amazon after right. most of that stuff. So, yeah. So why do they shop on Amazon? Because they've never really had a remarkable experience at Macy's and, and, it's easy. You it's can do easy. it from your yeah. couch watching and, Netflix. Yeah. And everything at Macy's, do you buy anything at Macy's unless it's on sale, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, and, and you can contrast that with a lot of these new brands that are popping up where, you know, they don't have all the inventory. They just have a very small store and you go in and you try on clothes. Uh, but it's a very curated, highly high-touch experience. They've sort of taken the Nordstrom experience and gotten rid of all the perils of inventory and all that sort of thing. So, but then they've amplified the service experience. So I think there are real opportunities to be exceptional and to be, and to really uh, yield a benefit from that. If you go down the average path, now you're competing with Amazon Mm -hmm. and you cannot win against Amazon. Mm -hmm. You spend a lot of the book and especially the second half really talking about like really technical marketing and stuff. It's really a a great marketing playbook Mm -hmm. for any small business leader. So if an executive small business owner is listening right now, this book has everything you need to have an effective marketing program. So I commend you on that. There's a few nuggets in there that I want to pull out for this audience though. Because I think it's going to lend to what we're experiencing now with a really tight labor market. Mm -hmm. So you were talking about uh, the website and how, uh, and I think this is true with email or any headline that you'd write, but you know, people are making snap second judgments on what they feel about your company or whether they want to read it or not. And you said five milliseconds. I don't even know how to put that into terms of, yeah. I mean, it's your blank and I probably it's five milliseconds, yeah. right? So you, you, you visit a website and you make a judgment based on what you, what you're seeing within five milliseconds. How does that impact the candidate experience? So if, if you're looking for talent, mm-hmm. what does that say about your employer brand? Right. Right. If people are making judgments like that, what do you need to do as an employer? Right. Yeah. So if you think about the marketing space and what websites are trying to do, they're trying to get new customers. Yeah. And we've what we figured out is that with Google, the customer is empowered. Mm-hmm. The customer has plenty of choices. And the biggest nemesis to us is the back button. So you go <laughs> to Google, you search Bounce. for something, <laughs> you think you found it. Nope, not it. Back. Yep. Next thing. Next, next, next. I would argue that the employer space is suffering from that same challenge and business owners really haven't acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they are frustrated because they aren't getting in enough applicants. They're frustrated because the applicants aren't very great. The problem is, is that what we're putting in front of them makes the applicant hit the back button yeah. right away yeah. because we're not putting energy into it. We're not investing in selling the story of our brand. We're not selling the story of our mission and our purpose. Yeah. yeah. We were joking a little bit ago about employers, how in the, this tight market right now with, with labor, they can't find talent and they're just yeah. giving up. They're throwing up their hands and say, I, nothing works. I can't right. find people. You call BS on that. I know I you do. I totally do. What's the, yeah. what's the solution there? Yeah, put energy into it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think we're in a situation that employers haven't faced before, mm-hmm. which is where the labor market has all the power. And 
nobody's really dealt with this, so they don't know what, what, what process to use. And I would argue the process needs to be marketing holds hands with HR mm -hmm. because you need to use marketing as a tool to sell what you have to offer to those candidates and you need to put money into it. You yeah. know, you need to create a career center. You need to invest time in caring for your glass door profile. Mm -hmm. You know, all of those things, you need to get testimonials from employees and put those on the website. What, it, what's it like to work mm -hmm. here? You need to craft meaningful job descriptions. All that stuff takes time and energy. Yeah. Um, but I, I, don't know that employers know what to tackle and how to tackle it first. Yeah. Yeah. I am so glad you said Glassdoor because that is the thing that I was never going to leave this podcast without asking about Glassdoor. I want a marketer's perspective on this. I'm a marketer myself, but you have tons of experience in this area. Uh, Glassdoor, you get a bad review, a positive review, doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Do you respond? Do you not? What, what, yeah. And if you do, what, what kind of responses are you doing? Is it vanilla? Is it very specific? Yeah. Um, I think step one is acknowledge that it exists. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of businesses don't know what Glassdoor is, and yet they're being reviewed on it. Um, I, I, the other day, I looked up this business uh, in a nearby city. I did a search for the business name, and the second hit that came up on Google's organic search results was the Glassdoor rating, Crazy. which was terrible. So imagine you're trying to sell to customers yeah. and they happen to stumble across that and they read mm -hmm. what employees are saying about you. Yeah. Um, so step one, acknowledge it exists. Um, step two, manage it. You know, so uh, ask employees to participate in the in the, in that process. You know, so, so ask them. I ask, ask them, them to review. Yeah. I say, hey, this is optional. You yeah. don't have to do it. Uh -huh. I don't want you to write a script, but. You seem to be engaged here. I love that. Share that. Share that in the public space. So and maybe pick them off one by one in time. Because if what if you have like ten all at once? I mean, that's gonna look kind of weird, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't argue you kind of game the system, but I would say that give a voice to those employees who who are passionate yeah. about what you're doing. Love that. And and the benefit to them, and I'd spell it out, is it helps us recruit more great employees who are like you, mm -hmm. and then you get to work with great people. I want to wrap up talking about strategic planning. So you spend a good chapter talking about strategic planning. It's an important part of the of business, mm -hmm. no doubt. Um, and I don't know if people are doing it really effectively. Maybe their meetings are not. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a brainstorming session, whereas yeah. it should really be like, what actions are we going to take? So with strategic planning, we don't have to go into all the details of what's in that meeting, but I do want to know, you know, whatever comes out of that meeting. So whether it's, ideas about what to do in the future. It, maybe it's re-articulating that vision that you just talked about. What comes out of that meeting that you're sharing with employees that are going to make them feel like they're part of that meeting mm -hmm. and are part of that future? Yeah. You know, there, I could do a whole podcast on <laughs> strategic a, planning, yeah, you no, know, and the gaps. We should actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think it's really common to sort of pivot to tactical problems, but I think that the first thing that to make a strategic planning successful is you need to have a clear vision for the company. Mm -hmm. So let's assume you have a clear vision where you want to go and it's hard and it's a challenge. Um, in the book, what we talk about is creating something that's actionable. So uh, a one-page focus plan for your strategy. And there's a hierarchy. So there's like a theme. You know, So if, if Sean, I want to work with purpose-led businesses, Maybe the theme for this year is, you know, find them, 
you know, figure out where are those purpose-led businesses living. And then there's all these different initiatives to engage with them, to cultivate those relationships, to become a thought leader in that space. Um, I'm just a big fan of simplifying strategic plans to a single page that you can then share with the team, put it up on the wall. Everybody knows where you're going, what you're doing, so then they can support it. I love it. Okay, Sean, uh, your book is Marketing from the Inside Out. You wrote it with Wendy Maynard, is that mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah. And yep. where's the promotion at for right now? Like, is it for sale on Amazon? Where, like, yep. where can people yep. find it? You can pick it up on Amazon, and uh, a view, uh, reviews are always appreciated. Yeah. It helps others find the book and uh, spread the word. That's that's where the easiest place to go. Yeah, we, we've got a we've got a page on our website with it as well. But just go to Amazon. Yeah. And, so I'd say, like for the for the HR people listening, this is probably a great book for their CEO owner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Buy it, put it in their hands, and say, look, if we don't, we're not clear about our mission and vision. This is a book for you, and you're going to become a better marketer as a result of it too. So you're not only yeah. going to find the great people that you need to do a great job in the market, you're going to probably attract more customers as a result of it. So, Yeah, great book for CEOs, owners of small businesses. Um, it, I know you have a big HR audience. Um, for that For that group, there's a ton of good stuff in there around employer branding, uh, recruiting a better type of candidate, and I think you can really use this as a tool to align leadership with what you're trying to achieve in HR. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun, Sean. Thanks for being part of the podcast, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com 